Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find our show on your favorite podcast platform. Darren and Andrew back with you this week. And if you are new to us, we try to take sports talk in a little bit different direction. Here we try to be positive and not so hot takey and just tear people down. We try to celebrate the sports that we all love and have a little bit of fun with it. If anything, we tear each other down. Uh, but the two of us back here going to focus a lot this week on college basketball, a bit of a preview show. I know we're underway here. A handful of games have started in some of the big early season tournaments. Going to look at the power conferences and our favorite contenders. Talk about the women's side of things here at the end with a couple. Maybe we're, we might be in the renaissance of women's college basketball right now. So we want to talk about that. And, uh, you know, typically we like to go alphabetical, but I'm going to jump around a little bit here to what I will presume is your favorite conference. Start with the Big Ten on the basketball side of things, mostly because they do have the most recognizable player in the country. feels like it's been a while since we have a, had a big name in college basketball, but Zach Eady seems like he's going to be as good as anything. Defending National Player of the Year, the, what is he, 7-1, 7-2 superstar from Purdue. 7-4. 7-4, man. And... Team that's looking to come back from what, only the second team ever to lose in the first round of the tournament. They were the big number one seed, lost to 16, fairly Dickinson last year. So starting here with the Big Ten, you've got Purdue, and who else do we have here at the top of the B1G? Yeah, it's a it's a Purdue-Michigan State race here, I think. Uh, Michigan State went to the Elite Eight, I believe, last year. Uh, lost in the Elite Eight. Um but they return a lot of guys, and they have a top five recruiting class on top of all the guys that they return. Um, so I think Michigan State will probably be better in March. Um, they don't really put the high emphasis on winning the Big Ten regular season. That's not what they're playing for generally. They're playing to uh, be ready for March and, and basically make a run in the tournament. Um, I think Purdue is going to win this conference. Probably, maybe not easily. I think Michigan State and Illinois could give them a little bit of run for their money. Um, and then beyond that, man, it's really just what flavor do you like? Because um, there's a there's a whole lot of yeah, there's a whole lot of variance after those top three. I think, and I'm not even sure that Illinois is number three because uh, they they lack a true point guard. So. Uh, Rutgers is down. Penn State's a bottom dweller. Wisconsin does not look good. Ohio State looks kind of meh. Maryland, everybody thinks they're supposed to be good, but they're one and two currently. Uh, Michigan is supposed to be a little bit down. Uh, Nebraska, bad. Uh, Indiana lost a lot of talent off of uh, last year's team. No Trace Jackson Davis. No Jalen Hutchifino. Iowa lost Chris Murray. Uh, but they added in Ben Cricky and a stellar freshman class as well. Um, no Connor McCaffrey either, but I don't know. I will probably be somewhere in that top half of that conference. Northwestern is a team a lot of people like. I, I don't really know. I don't really have a good read beyond the top three in this conference is where I'm kind of at with the Big Ten. And you hit the nail on the head there. I I think the Big Ten, they're somehow going to find seven or eight teams in March Madness. There's a conference coming up, the Big East. I wonder if they maybe will thrive. I think there's a the Big East, for me, maybe the best conference this year. It feels like the Big Ten's kind of down. Purdue, I'm, I'm with you. Purdue and Michigan State, uh, Tyson Walker, 
Xavier Booker, and then is it A.J. Hogard, the big three for Michigan State. Terrence Shannon with Illinois getting a lot of attention, a guy that I'm not too familiar with. But it just, like you say, Illinois kind of feels like the third team by default. It's weird to think of the Big 12 doesn't have a lot to offer. Curious to see what Kel L. Ware does at Indiana. And then a guy who, if I remember correctly, you were a huge fan of last year, Boo Booey at Northwestern. We can't forget about him. But outside of those top, maybe even for me, just Purdue, Michigan State, it feels a wide open race and maybe not that many contenders. Yeah, um, I think Iowa will finish top half of the big. They've finished top half of the of the big every year under Fran McCaffrey, except for two. Um, so I think they'll be solidly in the March in March Madness, but I, I don't really know beyond that. Um, we'll have to see once conference play gets going. But like like you said, I think there's seven or eight teams. If I have to name them, Purdue, Michigan State, Illinois. Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Northwestern, and then it's it's probably one of Wisconsin, Ohio State, maybe an overachieving Michigan or Rutgers. One of those teams is going to be that eighth team from the Big Ten. And there's two I want to ask you about. One you just mentioned, and it's Michigan, who's... They're such a curious case. They lose Hunter Dickinson. They had, what, two first-round picks last year in Kobe Bufkin and the other man whose name I'm forgetting. It feels like... Jet Howard. Jet Howard. There we go. Yeah, and Coach Juwan Howard, it feels like they've been in kind of a weird state since he got there of they should be better, they get talent. It seems like a very mercurial team that Juwan Howard's put together, and a lot of people don't think this is a top-25 team that just... It feels like they're underrated to me. I feel like they should at least be, you know, 20 plus wins, but I'm seeing them a lot at maybe 18 as their ceiling. I just don't know what to make make of them. It's not really the 20 plus wins. It's more of like the schedule. Um, They have some big games coming up here in the non-conference. They're going to play Memphis. They're going to play at Oregon. They're going to play Florida in the non-conference. Got to see how they do against that kind of competition in the non-conference. They're 3-0, and but their wins are UNC Asheville, Youngstown State, and St. John's team. I know they have Rick Pitino, but I don't think St. John's is going to be that good in their first year under Pitino. Um, so it's really... I'm, I'm just curious to see how Michigan looks against those three teams I mentioned. And then they play at Iowa in December, the early conference game there. Um, so they'll have to go basically 500 in the big 10 gets, gets you in. So if you're 500 or better, there's 20 conference games. If you're 10 and 10 or better in the big 10, that's what, what gets you in. It's not really about that 20 win mark. And then you have to couple that with maybe one or two. I think they have to sneak in a win against like Memphis and Florida or one win at maybe Oregon who could be better than people expect. So it's really more about their, their schedule, but I don't know. I, I don't expect a lot from this Michigan team this year. Careful what you say about UNC Asheville. Don't they have the best player in the country? UNC Asheville. Best, best scorer at least. Is that, what's the guy's name? Drew Pember. Is he a UNC Asheville? Oh yeah, they do have Drew Pember, but uh, no, they're, they're not. Anything to write home about. They may win the Big South or American East or whatever random conference they're in. 
Yeah, exactly. Drew Pember, UNC Asheville, was fifth in scoring last year. Two points behind Zach Eady. I think the other three guys graduated. Yeah. Yep. Or went pro. All right. So anything else on the Big Ten we need to get to? Um, I guess we can talk about top players. I mean, it feels like Zach Eady's kind of the preeminent player of the year winner. Yeah. Um, Zach Eady, Terrence Shannon, Tyson Walker. I think those are probably the three best players in the conference. And then I think a guy that's going to step up and be the guy I was kind of had that one featured guy, and that's going to be Peyton Sanford. He's uh, averaging 10.5 rebounds. And, well, hang on, let me check that. I think he's actually averaging more than that currently. In two wins, yeah, Peyton Sanford's averaging 19 and 10.5. He's kind of playing that small ball four, that stretch four spot for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and he is a, a really talented shooter. Uh, I think he's may may not be first team, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up first team for um, kind of in that featured role that belonged to Keegan Murray, Chris Murray, Luca Garza before that. I, I think Peyton Sanford's in line for a huge year, so we'll we'll see uh, what happens. So he could kind of be the fourth guy, and then. Man, if I had to pick a fifth guy, I don't really know exactly who that would be. Maybe Doug McDaniel or Jameer Young. Doug McDaniel's point guard from Michigan. Jameer Young is the point guard from Maryland. So there's a lot of good guards as well. Boo Booey that you mentioned as well. There's there's some pretty good point guards. Um, Braden Smith, point guard for Purdue. So... There's a there's a lot of talent at the point guard position in this conference. Well, we will keep an eye on it all year long, give you our updates as we get into the season and start featuring college basketball more and updates on all these teams and players. I'm going to jump over here to what many people, I think, still consider the class of college basketball. Not that I necessarily agree, but going back to our alphabetical order, the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, Start where you usually start here. For me, it's Duke. And then it gets a little bit more wide open. I think UNC, Miami are in there. Outside of that, it feels kind of wide open. Virginia, with Tony Bennett, you can kind of always rely on them to be there. Some people are high on Clemson. Some people are high on Florida State. Syracuse, what's life like for them? And I'm going to admit I love this Duke team. I'm just going to come out and say it. Kyle Filipowski is supposed to be maybe one of the five best players in the game this year. Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach, and Mark Mitchell mixed in there. I'm a believer in John Shire as a coach, so I'm just going to cut to the chase and say that I'm a big fan of this Duke team. Miami, Nigel Pack still there. They can do something. And then North Carolina, we'll see what they do with uh, Hubie Brown, or not Hubie Brown, Hubert Davis. Uh, so there you go, the ACC. What do we make of perhaps college basketball's biggest blue blood conference? Yeah, um, I know they're a big blue blood conference. I don't think they're the class of college basketball. I don't think it's the Big East either. Um, yeah, I think this is Duke's conference to lose. I think they're going to kind of run away with this one. Just given what they brought back, I love Filipowski. Like you said, I do like Shire as well. Um, the problem for Duke last year was physicality at times. Uh, but I think that some of that was they're playing true freshmen and those true freshmen, all of them are back and they're sophomores. I think that's going to be very helpful for this Duke team. Um, I think they're a serious title contender as well. 
they've already taken a loss on the chin against Arizona, but I don't think that'll that'll harm them come conference play time. Number two, like you said, it's going to be a Miami-North Carolina battle. I'd probably give the edge to slight edge to Miami. Um, you mentioned Nigel Pack, but I like Wuga Poplar. I like Matt Heveland transferred in. Um, Norchad O'Meara. I think this team is going to be kind of prime. They might give Duke some fits, but I, I don't think they're going to over overtake Duke. North Carolina, Baycott's back. Um, RJ Davis is back for another run at it. Um, they're good. Uh, the surprising team that I, you, di- you didn't mention was a team that made a little bit of a run in the NCAA tournament last year, and that was the uh, Pittsburgh Panthers. They brought back uh, Blake Henson and their big man, Federico Federico. And they have a true freshman in Carlton Carrington that has a triple-double already to his name, averaging 18-6-7. and seven. Um, They have Diaz Graham back, both of the Diaz Graham brothers, who are big in their NCAA tournament run. Ish Leggett uh, is someone that has transferred in from Rhode Island, quality guard play to pair with. Uh, that freshman, Harrington. I think Pitt is a team that can maybe surprise a few people in this conference. So if I had to pick a team to be fourth, I, I think I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Panthers. You beat me to the punch. That was my exact question, is who's a team, a dark horse in the ACC? Only five teams made the uh, March Madness last year. Miami, of course, going on the big run to the Final Four. It feels like a conference that's in transition like you said, this is probably only a four or five bid league. Syracuse is starting over post Bayheim. So I think that's really the question here is like, who of the new coaches, Syracuse is going to go away from the zone. They're going to actually play man to man defense this year. It's going to be weird. Um, so got to see how all that shakes out in this conference. I think beyond maybe that. Four, I think Virginia is probably five, just because I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in Tony Bennett. Um, yeah, I think beyond that, there's a lot of questions with a lot of first year coaches. So, yeah, a, a conference in transition. When in doubt, go with Tony Bennett. Virginia feels like your safe option. Absolutely. And continuing here alphabetically. Going down from the ACC, just kind of keeping to the big conferences. Sorry, Atlantic Sun fans. So we've got the Big East. This, doing some research for this, this is the conference that I fell in love with. I think a conference that broke through a little bit last year. And to me, there's, I think there's three teams at the top. There's one team that I probably like more than I should. And then there's some question marks. But I think Marquette, UConn, and Creighton are the big three Marquette there. Returning Tyler Kolek, who I believe was one of your fanboy favorites from last year, plus Shaka Smart, Shaka Smart as the coach. UConn, the defending national champion, replacing a lot of bodies, though. Uh, Donovan Klingon there, and is it Stefan Castle, the new stud freshman for them? And then Creighton, and yep. bringing back a lot of talent. Baylor Shireman, Trey Alexander, and your beloved Ryan Kulkbrenner. I want to put Villanova in here because I'm a Villanova fan, but still a new young coach there working his way in. So I, I think you start... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Marquette, UConn, and Creighton here at the top of a very loaded conference. 
Yeah. Um, and Creighton, I think, is probably honestly the best team in this conference. Um, I know people are going to say, how can you say that? UConn brought some guys back from their championship team. Um, Creighton lost Ryan Nemhard and Arthur Kaluma. Uh, they added Stephen Ashworth. And, man, they are just going to shoot the heck out of the ball, uh, to be honest. And they've handed over the entire offense to Trey Alexander. They also have a transfer from Virginia and Isaac Trout, who is 6'8", but can shoot it from deep as well. I mean, you just look across the board, and they just have nothing but 40% three-point shooters and guys that can handle – and then you've got Kalkbrenner on the inside as kind of that defensive anchor. Um, he can play. He's not really known for his post moves, but if he buries you deep, he'll he'll score rather easily. So that's maybe a little bit of the question mark is some of the front court play, the athleticism with uh, Creighton. But, man, I think what they might lack and maybe some of that front court athleticism they more than make up for in their shooting prowess. And they're going to score. I mean, they're averaging 97 points per game. They're playing Iowa tonight, who averages 104 points per game. So if you like points, get your get to FS1. You probably won't be able to hear me say this, but uh, if you like points, man, that Iowa-Creighton game will probably produce all the points we want uh, and more and a lot of three-point shots as well. But I ultimately... I think this team was one bad call away from going to the Final Four last year. They were absolutely screwed over in that Elite Eight game. Um, so I think uh, I think had uh, Creighton not gotten screwed over in that Elite Eight game last year, they probably would have been in the national championship along with UConn. So um, I I really like this team. Um, I know people are going to like Marquette, but they lost Omax Prosper to the NBA last year. I don't know how they're going to replace him. I know they have solid guard play with Kolek and Cam Jones back, Igadoro front court. Um, they've got a solid team. I think they're going to be in contention. This is going to be the conference to watch for sure. Yeah, and... I do want to throw Villanova in there. Justin Moore and Eric Dixon, the main stars for them. Young coach Kim English, only second season at the helm there. Team that has some, whether it's just by... Kyle, Nep- Kyle Neptune, right? Because Kim English is at Providence this year. Start reading right lines there. Kyle Neptune. Uh, so starting out with some hype there. You know, anybody coming into Villanova after what Jay Wright built is going to have high standards. They may not be a great team, but I do feel like they're a big dance team. And then there's St. John's, who you already cast doubt upon earlier. But to catch everybody up, this is Rick Pitino's Phoenix from the Ashes. Uh, took out, I'm blanking on the team last year. I picked them last year and they made a great run for me. Uh, but after getting fired at Louisville, working his way back up, and St. John's is the next step on the ladder. But you do not sound uh, totally sold on Mr. Pitino getting the Red Storm too far into the postseason. I am not sold, no. No, I think this is a transition year. Um, they already got blown up by Michigan, who I think is borderline, you know, bottom half of the Big Ten, who is not as strong as the Big East. Could St. John's play well and sneak in? 
maybe. Um, but I'm not sure that they have the guard play to do it. They have a couple transfer guards that are trying to play up, and Jordan Dingle and Chris Ledlam. Naheem Aline came over as well from uh, UConn, I believe. They have the big man in the middle, Soriano, but, man, I, I don't trust their guard play, and they're not the deepest team as well. Um, you talked about that Villanova team. They already have a bad loss to Penn. They lost to Penn at home by four. Um, so I know that early season doesn't always indicate how a team's going to play for the rest of the year, but I think, I think Villanova might have been a little bit overrated and I feel the same way about the St. John storm. I think the, the teams to beat here are Creighton one, Marquette two, UConn three, and then I think it's Providence Xavier four, five. And then Villanova St. John's probably. Will Villanova St. John's make it in? Probably. I would I would more bet on Villanova making it than St. John's. Um I think St. John's is gonna be very bubble bubblicious. They're probably gonna need some magic in the Big East tournament in order to make it, and they very well could. But I, I don't think expecting them to come out of the gate firing and being ready to go right away. I don't think that's a realistic expectation for for them this year. I also think this is the second best conference in college basketball. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to be in contention when we look at this team down the stretch. So they've got so four teams ranked as of right now. I think that number could grow and be once we get to that second weekend of the tournament, I think there'll be several standing left in the Sweet 16. Uh, some of the coaches we haven't talked about, uh, Kyle Neptune at Villanova, Kim English, first year at Providence, who I tried to assign him to Villanova. Uh, and then some of the others we haven't touched on, Thad Mata at Butler. Does he still have some magic from his Ohio State days? Sean Miller, second run at Xavier. And then Shaheen Holloway, the hero of the St. Peter's Cinderella run a couple of years ago. He's at Seton Hall, did well with them in his first year. So there's these teams that are maybe on the outside looking in, but I don't know how much of this conference I really... Maybe DePaul feels like the automatic bottom, and then the rest could be very volatile. Yeah. Yeah. I could agree with that. Except I think there's a clear top with the three that I mentioned. Creighton, Marquette, UConn. And then I think there's a clear bottom with DePaul. And then, yeah, everything in between there is kind of a guessing game. And speaking of guessing games... Let's go to the Big 12 next here on the list. They start out with the presumptive number one team in the country, Kansas, loaded since they add Hunter Dickinson. Obviously, Bill Self is the coach, going to do what he always does. Hunter Dickinson, the big transfer from Michigan. Kevin McCuller, K.J. Adams, Dewan Harris, Tyler Perry, this team. Those are names you're going to get to know by the end of the season. Still throwing me off that Houston is in the Big 12 now. That's It's weird for me to think about. The other new teams aren't really going to factor, I don't think. But Houston, they're going to be a team to watch for. Baylor, maybe. Texas is a team that I'm in love with. Uh, not Still not a Tyrese Hunter fan after he left Iowa State. But I think between he and Max Abemus, the hero of Oral Roberts, I'm all in on that Texas team. TCU has Jameer Nelson Jr. Iowa State, eh. And then West Virginia, West Virginia with the transfer from Arizona, Kira Creesa. I don't really know what to make of this Big 12. I think Kansas won, Houston two, and then a lot of question marks. 
Yeah, um, and I really like the TCU team. I like Jamie Dixon a lot. I also think Baylor is going to be underrated, but I think this is a Kansas-Houston race. Probably slight edge Kansas, unfortunately. They're going to win it again. LJ Cryer is at Houston. He was at Baylor last year. They also have Damian Dunn as well, Manuel Sharp. Good guard play for Houston, as always. And, man, they are just tough. They are just a rough, tough team. Um, when you play them, they have Jamal Shedd as well. I mean, this team is just loaded at the guard spot, and they are in your face. And they have real Final Four potential, as does Kansas. You talked about, about that Texas team. Baylor, I mean, it's just a grind here. Uh, West Virginia, with kind of the Huggins news and all of that kind of thing, I also believe that Kirk Carissa has some eligibility issues going on. So I think that West Virginia team is actually probably going to struggle. Yeah, it looks like Kirk Carissa hasn't played through a couple of games. Um, and they had some other guys transfer out. I think West Virginia is unfortunately going to struggle. Um, BYU, that's been kind of a sneaky good team out there in the Mountain West. I don't know how they'll fare in the Big 12. K-State, I believe in Jerome Tang. I know a lot of people like Texas Tech. You brought up Iowa State, but they're kind of young, depending on a lot of transfers. TJ Otzelberger is a good coach, but I don't know. I don't know if the defense will be there quite like it is, even though the offense will probably take at least two or three steps forward, I think, this year for Iowa State. Omaha Blue hasn't played well in their first three games. He hasn't really played much, and he's fouled out of a couple games. So he's having a little bit of trouble adjusting Momsilovich. Um, he's been awesome. And it looks like him and Lipsy has learned how to shoot the three, which might be an interesting development for Iowa State this season. They might need him to, just given their general lack of shooting otherwise. It's really Lipsy and Momsilovich as the as the shooters currently for this team. So I don't know. I like the I like the maybe the long term potential of Iowa State, but I think they're gonna struggle struggle maybe early on and end up kinda middle of the pack. Maybe in that seven eight range in this conference. So yeah, I don't that- know. This is a loaded com this is a loaded conference and really you're gonna turn on a Big 12 game, and you're going to see a competitive game nearly every night, unless West Virginia is involved, and probably Oklahoma State or UCF as well. But yeah, and they're they had eight bids last year, and I can come up with seven. You know, Kansas, Houston, you feel pretty good about TCU, K State, Baylor have kind of become consistent teams. Texas, and then I have Iowa State slated into that seven. But after that, I'm trying to figure out where it is, and it feels weird that we're not really even talking about the Oklahoma school. As you just mentioned, the Cowboys are going to be pretty far down. Oklahoma has Porter Mosier, who, if I'm correct, was the Loyola coach when they made their runs. Just It feels like once you get outside the seven, and maybe even seven with Iowa State is reaching, so I'm just trying to figure out, is is Oklahoma or UCF, or like you mentioned, BYU, somebody going to be that surprise to make it a sure seven, eight bid league? Yeah, I think uh, Texas Tech could be an eighth team. Um, I really like Pop Isaacs. He's back. Uh, Devin Cambridge came over from Auburn. 
as well, playing that forward spot. I like Warren Washington, Joe Toussaint. I think that's just going to be a tough, gritty team. And then maybe a team like BYU or Cincinnati could overachieve. I could see the Big 12 getting nine, and and I think that'd be well-deserved. Maybe Oklahoma will surprise, but I, I'm not sure. Like you said, seven for sure, maybe eight or nine. But those seven that you said, I agree with those seven. Yeah. Who's our – I guess we didn't – we can go back. We didn't pick a player of the year in the Big East. I'm trying to think in the Big 12. I don't want to pick Hunter Dickinson. That feels too obvious. Can I – can I pick Max, Max Amos, or is that too crazy to think he's going to go from mid-major to power conference player of the year? But we trying to trying to think of big yeah uh, you, big twelve and big East players of the year. Um, yeah, Hunter Dickinson's a little too obvious. Um, I think I'd probably take man. You could go Max Amos. Yeah, I think I'd go probably Max Amos. If Texas is going to do everything you think they're going to, you, you probably have to say Max Asmus. Yeah, and going down the player of the year, going down the board, like looking at some player rankings, LJ Cryer with Houston maybe the next one that people have as a favorite there. Yeah, um, definitely LJ Cryer. I think uh, some guy to keep an eye on is Jacoby Walter. The stud freshman at Baylor. I know a lot was made about Keontae George, and he was awesome last year at Baylor. I think Jacoby Walter could be better, um, which is kind of crazy to say. So maybe that, and you know, Scott Drew just keeps on coming. But yeah, um, it's going to be loaded, man. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun in the Big Twelve and the Big East. I'm all Creighton, and so I think Trey Alexander is going to be be the Big East Player of the Year. That that Creighton team does look scary. Their offense is very scary. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know who's going to stop their offense. Um, I, I really don't. So, moving on down here. Going down to the Pac-12, the final year of Pac-12 basketball as we know it, and a conference that, for as great as the football is on their way out the door, the the basketball feels like it may be kind of limping to the finish here, unless I am missing something. For me, this is USC and everybody else, and not because of Bronny James. They bring in Isaiah Collier, to a lot of people, the number one freshman in the country. Boogie Ellis comes back, so there's your two stars. Arizona's interesting because like they're just kind of consistently always there. Caleb Love, the former North Carolina star over there. Uh, UCLA, a Dembona back. I, I just kind of have fallen in love with this Mick Cronin UCLA. And then Colorado. I'm not all that familiar with Tristan Da Silva, but there seems to be a lot of buzz around Colorado. So I think to me, those may be the only four tournament teams that I see right now, but it's, I, I have UCL or USC ahead by a pretty considerable margin as we start the season. I, I think you're going to have to give a little bit more credit to Arizona. Um, they're number three right now overall. They just went to Duke and won at Cameron Indoor. Um, they have Keisha Johnson, who was a member of that San Diego State team. That impressed everyone last year. Made it to the final. Ultimately, lost to UConn. 
Kylan Boswell was part of the team last year. He stepped up his game. Hell Larson is back. Omar Ballo is back. He's part of an Arizona team that was really good last year. And like you mentioned, Caleb Love, who's been up and down as well. Um, they, they have talent in that starting five. I think that's a very solid starting five. Bench maybe a little bit of a question mark. But again, early season impressive win for this Arizona team, and I think they're going to be a Final Four contender. So I really think this is more of an Arizona-USC type situation. I'm on board with what you said about um, Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis. I think USC is going to be good, but I again, I think probably going to be better closer to the end of the year. Kind of like what we talked about with Iowa State and what we'll talk about with Kentucky when we talk about them and the SEC, I think they'll be better at the end of the year rather than at the beginning of the year, and I think that's going to allow Arizona to uh, run out to a sizable lead in the Pac-12 and probably win it. I'm also not going to bet against Tommy Lloyd. He's proved how great of a coach he is. He's also a Mark Few disciple as well, and yeah, I think I think Arizona's going to run this conference this year. Love a Dembona. Um, great pro prospect. I think UCLA is in a little bit of a rebuild mode after everything they lost last year. Oregon, I kind of feel the same way about, and I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about any of these other teams. Like you said, Colorado, I love Tristan Da Silva. He was the best part of a terrible Stanford basketball team. They also have, uh, Eddie Lampkin, the big man from TCU who transferred in as well. Um, not really familiar with their guard play, but they certainly have the front court to get some damage done in the Pac-12. So I think they're kind of third. I think Colorado is kind of third. And it's I know it's been a little bit since they've been contenders, but Oregon just kind of feels as long as Dana Altman's there, they're going to be on the hunt. So I don't really want to write them off. He, a guy who doesn't really ever have stars, but somehow keeps his team in contention. And once every couple of years makes a weird Elite Eight run, we don't see coming. So Oregon's at least probably going to have a pulse. I just don't see it there. And how can we forget Mark Madsen taking over the Cal Bears program? So there's something for Laker fans to watch. Yeah, um, Mark Madsen will get that program going, although I don't think it'll be this year. Anyways, let's move on to SC, uh, players of the year. Players of the year here. Uh, um, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I, I don't know would they give it to Isaiah Collier if he's going to be a one and done. I feel like maybe Boogie Ellis because he's been around. I'm curious about this Tristan Da Silva guy and maybe Caleb Love has something left in the tank. But I'm going to be safe and go with Boogie Ellis. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route, and I'm going to say they give it to Adembona. I think Adembona is going to really show out in his role. Um, he's averaging 17 and 8 right now and two blocks per game. I think he can definitely keep that up, and they're going to need him to keep that up, especially if they're going to have any chance of making the NCAA tournament, which I don't know if... UCLA does, but I'm not going to count out Mick Cronin. I think Adembona, just based on his all-around game, might win the player of the year here in the in the Pac-12. Works for me. I'm a big fan of his game and watched a lot of him last year. Yeah. 
Me too. I I almost think I think Isaiah Collier is going to be the highest drafted prospect from this league, but I wouldn't be shocked if Adembona is uh, the second highest prospect oh, from nice. this league. And if someone gets a if someone gets a steal by drafting Adembona. Now, you haven't mentioned the best conference unless you missed it with the Big Twelve. So that leads me to believe that perhaps. Oh, can... yep. Nope. I missed it with the Big Twelve. Big Twelve best basketball conference. Because I was gonna, I was gonna have to have you convince me that it is the SEC. I do like the SEC. <laughs> no, but there's, I don't know if they're quite there. Uh, conference here again, all across the board, depending on what you like. Uh, Arkansas kind of starts out here leading the way. So Arkansas, Tennessee, always consistent there. Texas A and M with Wade Taylor. Kentucky with their trio of super freshmen that they brought in this year, three of the top 10 recruits, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, and DJ Wagner to go along with their usual full covered there, Alabama, Auburn. So again, I like Auburn more than most people. Arkansas is kind of curious. Tennessee just feels kind of like the safe bet, but there's a lot of ways you can go with the SEC here on the top end. Yeah, I like Tennessee, man. Um, they brought in a transfer from Northern Colorado named Dalton Necht, who's averaging 20 points per game for them. Uh, that's kind of been something that Tennessee's been missing is that reliable scoring option. And they bring uh, that level of physicality as well. Josiah Jordan James, Zakai Ziegler, Santiago Vescovi, all those guys are back. Jonas Adu is back in the middle. Um, they bring in a talented freshman in J.P. Estrella. I, I like this Tennessee team. I think this is the class probably of the SEC. It's them and Kentucky, I really think. And then, yeah, Arkansas is kind of curious as well. Um, Kentucky is made up of a freshman and then Antonio Reeves. But Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, Trey Mitchell, who came over from Texas, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, that's all the, that's all the, Contributing Kentucky guys, a lot of those guys are freshmen except for Mitchell and Reeves. Um, so they might have some growing pains, but I think ultimately that's a team to look out for in March. And then, like you said, uh, transfer you, aka Arkansas <laughs> is kind of a curious case because they just, they just overturn their roster every year. They just, they just usher everyone out and then bring in a whole bunch of new transfers. Um, let me let me read off their lineup to you. Khalif Battle, new transfer. L. Ellis, new transfer. Tremont Mark, new transfer. Trayvon Brazil, second year in the program, but was a transfer last year. Demonte Davis, he's an actual original recruit. Um, Makai Mitchell, second year transfer at Arkansas. Jeremiah Davenport, first year transfer. Hanley Lawson, first year transfer. Jalen Graham, first year transfer. It's it, they're they're just transfer you. That's Eric Musselman's philosophy. He just says, "Give me the best transfers, and I'll work with them." Maybe I'll mix in a stud freshman like they did last year when they had Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh. They had a couple of stud freshmen in them mixed in with some transfers. But basically, he's just said, "Give me the best transfers in the portal, and I'll take them." I think Trayvon Brazil, it, it's kind of like what we talked about with Adem Bona, where maybe his points 
won't jump off the page, but the value that he brings as a rebounder defensively, he might have a chance that um, being the player of the year here in the conference. I think it's going to be an interesting player of the year race here in SEC country. Um, Alabama, I know they're ranked. Sorry, I'm just getting familiar with Alabama. They have Grant Nelson, who, if you haven't watched him, he was at North Dakota State last year. Alabama likes their transfers as well. They also have Aaron Estrada that they brought in as transfer. Um, but Grant Nelson is an interesting uh, interesting player because he could lead the team in points, rebounds, and assists as like a 6'9 forward and blocks. Like he's he's gonna do it all kind of for this Alabama team. So it's gonna be an interesting year in the SEC. I'd probably go Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama as my top four. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Tennessee, and after that I just I have no idea what to make of it. Like, Arkansas, as long as Eric Musselman and his insane existences there. I can't really count them out, but I also can't trust them. Nate Oates at Alabama's kind of got things humming. I, uh, Bruce Pearl may not have, you know, outside of Johnny Broom, may not have the most, but I still like that team. Buzz Williams at Texas A&M, I think, has quietly done a good job there getting that program back with Wade Baldwin. So I think I see, you know, Kentucky's going to be mixed in there. So one, two, three, four, five. I think that's six bids. Does Todd Golden get Florida back to any situation, uh, you know, any competitive league? What can Lamont Paris do at South Carolina? And then a guy that I get a lot of people don't want to talk about, but Chris Beard is at Ole Miss and he has a track record of turning around every program he's been to. So I don't, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that at Ole Miss or you know, here in year one. There's a lot of names and a lot of coaches to keep your eyes on in the SEC. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Texas A&M team. That's a team that I really like, and I'm glad you mentioned. I think they could be in the hunt as well. I, I'd like to change my mind. Tennessee, Texas A&M, Kentucky, um, Arkansas, Alabama, and then probably Mississippi State, kind of a team that I like as well. Uh, then maybe Missouri, Florida, Ole Miss, Auburn. Those are kind of the teams that are going to battle it out. But you could see maybe six, seven teams from the SEC get in for basketball, potentially. Um, but I think this A&M team is one that shouldn't be slept on. They were really turning it on at the end of the year last year. So. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think a, you know, maybe a down Big Ten and a down Pac-12 will open up some some of those 8, 9, 11, 12 spots in the tournament for some SEC schools to sneak in there. Yeah, and the Big 12 mid to bottom tier Big 12 teams right. might sneak in as well. And for players... Yeah, a down ACC, a down ACC also contributes to that. Like we mentioned, probably only four or five teams from the ACC that are deserving. And for an SEC player of the year, I'm, I'm trying to go deeper and maybe go a little bit off the board, but I'm just going to kind of go lazy and pick Wade Taylor the fourth at Texas A&M because people smarter than me say he's very, very good, so I'm going to trust the experts and go with him there. And where a lot of other teams may have to share the rock, I think he may just do everything for Texas A&M and put up hero ball numbers. 
Yeah, I think it's Trayvon Brazil at Arkansas. It's going to be the player of the year. I I like his all-around game, I think. Kind of like what I talked about with Bona. He's a really great two-way player. And also, he can jump out of the gym. He's a very exciting player. So maybe Arkansas won't be the greatest team in college basketball, but they'll be an exciting team. So those are the power conference teams. I don't really uh, don't have the time here to go super in-depth on some of the mid-majors, but want to call out a handful of them. Gonzaga, we know they're going to be there. Mark Few is the head coach. The third longest active streak behind Kansas and Michigan State getting to the big dance. So they're ranked right now. Ryan Nemhard transferring from Creighton. Graham Ike there. San Diego State back from their Cinderella run. Dayton with Duran Holmes. St. Mary's another team always in contention. Drake with Tucker DeVries, who you can, you may agree or disagree, but could potentially be the highest scoring player in uh, Division One this year. And then there's FAU. Everybody fell in love with Florida Atlantic last year, bringing back Elijah Martin and John L. Davis from that Final Four run for that team. And almost everybody else. Uh, the big man Golden, uh, Nicholas Boyd, Weatherspoon, Greenlee, Gaffney, Rosado. Like they, they brought back everyone, essentially, from that last year's team. So they're not a, they're top 10 and they're not to be slept on either. They're they're very good for a reason. Uh, like you mentioned, Gonzaga, probably the class of of the non-power conference teams. Although, I think eventually Gonzaga will join the Big Twelve for basketball, and that will just be I like it absolutely bon- absolutely bonkers. Um, James Madison is a team to keep an eye on. They went to East Lansing and beat the Spartans in East Lansing, which is not an easy thing to do, but they kind of surprised them. Uh, like you mentioned, yeah, Tucker DeVries probably going to be one of the highest scoring players in America this year. He absolutely belongs. He'd be a starter at basically any Power 5 school. Like, um, And Drake is probably going to win the Missouri Valley regular season and I would imagine the postseason. Unfortunately, that's a one big one bit league. Um so hoping Drake can make it in just because of the local connection as local connection there. They're very close to knocking off Miami if you remember. Um they had Miami kind of dead to rights and then missed some free throws late. And uh that really really uh cemented their fate for the season. Trying to think if there's any other teams outside of that. Not really. I do like Gonzaga. I do like Nemhard and Graham EK. What they've got out there. Um, Hickman, Watson back. Not the deepest team, but a talented team. And also, you got to trust Mark Few. So, yeah, I don't, yeah see, I don't see Gonzaga as a contender making a run or anything. Or maybe a Sweet 16 if the bracket falls right. It just. Death taxes and Gonzaga making the tournament. 100%. Yep. All right. So I've, I've sketched out kind of my top 10 here. Do we want to pick Elite Eight? Do we want to pick Final Four? Do we want to? Yeah. Let's just go, let's just go with our Final Four picks and then our National Player of the Year. Um, my Final Four, Duke, Kansas. Creighton, and I will go 
Give me the Florida Atlantic Owls to get back. Uh, see, I I hate to say it because I'm a champion of Cinderella's and parody and little engines that could, but I just I feel like they may have been a one year one year wonder. I'm happy to see them back. Hope they can win Conference USA. Just I I wish I had the faith. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say something. I mean. Throw it all out the window, right? Once March Madness opens, probably none of those my four picks will make it. Um, some out outliers, Michigan State. I think I like their guard play. I think they're a potential outlier. Kentucky, Arizona, USC is a team. I think you have to think about. How about your Iowa State Cyclone? Uh, no, they're going to get like the two seed and lose in the first round. That's more their style. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think they could come around by the end of the year. Um, maybe get hot at the right time kind of scenario, but I'm not going to bet on it. A&M, there's a team that I like, Tennessee. I don't know. I'm not going to put any faith in Purdue. I, I've, I've done that. They're banned for me. Sorry, Purdue. I'm not picking into the Final Four any longer. You could have the five best players in the world, and <laughs> I would pick against you. No, I like you could you could roll Mike Prime Michael Jordan Prime LeBron Prime Kobe out there on the same team, and I would say you're going to lose. <laughs> no, I I am totally with you on Purdue. I've been burned so many times, and last year I came back to them and said, you know what, this is the year they're going to do it, and then the worst meltdown but on the other hand yeah. i think about that's what happened to virginia they lost the first ever once you'd lose to a 16 and then they win the national championship the next year so yeah but i have more faith in tony bennett than i do in matt painter well there's that so um i'm not gonna pick purdue to do such a thing but they could and make me look really foolish but i uh i won't pick it Uh, yeah, so my, I'm, I'm kind of like you, I had on my outside looking in. So Purdue, Michigan State, USC, Tennessee, your beloved Creighton Blue Jays. Those were the teams just on the outside looking in for me, but my final four. And again, I feel bad picking mostly chalk based on the pandemonium we had last year, but I've also got Duke and Kansas, and then I'm sticking with Texas and Marquette. I think Duke is the team to beat. But Duke, Texas, Marquette, Kansas. Interesting. All right. Um, you're you're way too you're way too high on Texas. Hey, but... I'll go down with that ship. All right. And player of the year, man, do you have yours ready? I may need to think on this. Um, could be a back-to-back scenario. Um, but for my intents and purposes, since I I am gonna tell you, okay, I told you my final four. Let's declare national champions. Okay. Because I'm gonna declare the Creighton Blue Jays national champions, and that's gonna make my national player of the year. Make sense? I get you. I see. Uh, Trey Alexander. Trey Alexander. Okay. Because if Creighton's gonna win it all, they're gonna need. A 25 point per game, seven assists per game, NCAA tournament, 
I'm a lottery pick, Trey Alexander type of performance. And I think they are going to get it. Um, and they've got plenty of shooting around them with Ashworth and Shireman, Mason Miller, Isaac Trout, and the presence of Kalkbrenner. So, and King, Frederick King, who was in his second year and is growing as a backup center. I think it's kind of reminiscent of UConn a little bit where they have stellar guard play and they just um, needed a little bit more depth and I think they've got it. So I feel way better about their chances of Nemhard to come back and, and, uh, and I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't, but I'd feel a lot better about their chances, but I'm, I'm a huge believer in Trey Alexander. Yeah. And Coach McDermott. So I think he's going to break through and get it done. Back-to-back Big East championships. I just said Big 12 was the best conference, but the Big East is going to have the best team. Uh, I'm still not any closer on my pick. I I could go Max Acemas. I could, you know, go with, you know, I don't think Tyler Kolick's quite on that level. Armando Baycott, all these guys in there. Tyrese Proctor, you know, Kyle Filipowski feels like a good option. But I'm I'm going to be boring and pick Zach Eady. I think he becomes the first back-to-back since was it Ralph Sampson did it like 40 years ago? Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Luca Luca Garza should have done it, but cool dunk boy Obi Toppin, <laughs> who just dunked on eight, ten players and didn't do anything of substance, uh, won it. Luca's junior when he should have absolutely won the award. So, in my mind. Edie would be the first since Luca Garza did it back to back. That makes me wonder: Do I need to think about John L. Davis or Tucker DeVries getting that mid-major rub? Mm, I don't think they have the cool highlight real plays that Obi Toppin did because that's really all it was, right? It was Obi Toppin threw down these highlight real dunks, and everybody's like, "Wow, those are some cool dunks." He's doing really cool dunks on these A10 players who who just couldn't hang with him. And, wow, we should give it to Obi Toppin. So, yeah, I don't think Tucker DeVries or John L. Davis have that wow factor to them. Not that you're still upset about it. Oh, I'm very upset about it because, yeah, he was absolutely snubbed. And Caitlin Clark has been snubbed in the past, too. So it's just something that happens to Iowa players, I guess. I guess, because... She should have, what, three in a row now? Freshman, sophomore, junior year. She should have three national player years in a row, but whatever. I digress. Well, to put a bow on this episode, we are going to talk about the women's side a little bit. Not as in-depth as we did with the men's field, but the women's season does basically begin and end with Caitlin Clark. I don't think it'd be crazy to say that she's the best women's player we've ever seen. As much as it pains me to say that, she's in that. Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart level and women's basketball getting a lot more attention here in the last couple of years because of Ms. Clark. But I think a very interesting race for player of the year, Paige Beckers looks like she's back and fully healthy at UConn. The great rivalry we have between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese at LSU. Uh, looking at the rest of the All-American team, Liz Kitley at Virginia Tech had a great year. Cameron Brink from Stanford and Mackenzie Holm of Indiana, kind of the top players, but it's it's a, to me, I think it's a three-horse race with Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers, and Angel Reese. 
Yeah, I think it's a one-horse race. It's Caitlin Clark and everybody else. Um, Paige Beckers, maybe. She's a great player. Uh, um, Angel Reese, I'm, I'm getting sick of people putting her on the same level as Caitlin Clark because she's just not. Um, and frankly, she wasn't great in that championship game, but she had plenty of antics. Um, LSU, uh, I know we try to be positive on this podcast, but uh, if... When- when if involved, were to, yeah, if any team were to just absolutely implode and have the nightmarish season, uh, it couldn't happen to a better team than the LSU women's basketball team. The, the pride before the fall, man. The pride before the fall, hopefully, for them. Because um, they went out to the transfer portal and they got Haley Van Lith from Louisville, who was an excellent player at Louisville, uh, transferred into LSU. And then they got Anissa Morrow from DePaul, who scored like 25 points per game for DePaul, and paired her up with Angel Reese and a lot of players that they brought back. Cloje Johnson's back. So essentially, LSU went out and created the super team because they're ultimately scared of what Caitlin Clark can do to them. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting against. Uh, I'm rooting against LSU. I think they're probably the second best team because. I've watched South Carolina play, and they beat two top 20 teams by, like, 30-plus points this week. So they lost to Leah Boston and just reloaded and have dominated their competition in the first two weeks. Uh, LSU lost to Colorado, and frankly, it wasn't close. They lost to the Colorado women, who were top 25 themselves, but it was a bit of a shock. Uh, um, Everybody thought, I think thought LCU was just going to run through undefeated after they got Van Lith and, and Morrow. Um, Iowa beat Virginia Tech in their 3-0. So you've got South Carolina at number one, Iowa at number two, UCLA, Utah, and Colorado, and Stanford, three through six. So Pac-12 women's basketball stand up because apparently it's going to be the best women's basketball conference out there this year. Looking at the the big picture in the tournament race, also, you know, we we never like to celebrate Kim Mulkey on the show, but she has made the NCAA tournament 23 out of 24 seasons as a head coach. So you do have, do have to. And, that, and that's and that's what you do when you sell your soul to the devil. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. So I I, I'm, I'm trying to find an outside pick here, but I just I can't get beyond this being an LSU UConn Iowa race for the national championship. I I did become a fan of that Virginia Tech team last year. They were kind of the to me one of the darlings of the tournament that I became a fan of. You still have Tara Vandiver doing her thing at Stanford. Uh, Stan, I don't know why that came out weird. Stanford, uh, Don Staley at South Carolina. I just wonder what they look like in the era without Aaliyah Boston. And oh, why am I blanking on the name of that guard they had, who was the perfect running mate for Aaliyah Boston? What is her name? Um, I think they're both gone now. Yeah, they're both gone. Cardoso. Um, has kind of taken over that Aaliyah Boston role. That's their sixth center. Um, And then they brought in some fabulous freshmen like uh, Malaysia Fulwiley, which I've been informed that she can dunk. Um, She also had a couple of highlight reel plays. Check out uh, Malaysia Fulwiley's plays on YouTube because she has some awesome stuff. Um... Yeah, so basically South Carolina lost a lot um, with seniors, but they just loaded up with freshmen. 
they also have Ashlyn Watkins averaging four and a half blocks per game. They also have Don Staley as a coach as well. Um, I think South Carolina will be a factor yet again. Brenda Friesen, I was just looking at coaches who have national championships, obviously, Oriyama, Vanderveer, and Staley, your favorite, Kim Mulkey, and then Brenda Fries is the only five active women's coaches with national titles at their current school. Well, let's make it six. Let's get Blue to her first. Let's go for go. it. Um, but yeah, um, keep an eye on UCLA. They have uh, Jaime Hawkes' sister, Gabriella. They have Lauren Betts, the Stanford transfer. Um, Colorado brought back a lot of players from a team that played Iowa in the Sweet 16. And honestly, they hung with Iowa for about two and a half, almost three quarters. And they brought back a lot of players from that team. So they also beat LSU in game one. So I think we have to acknowledge Colorado a little bit. And Virginia Tech, they they played a close game with Iowa this year. And they brought back... uh, Kitley, Elizabeth Kitley, who's their 6'6", post player, very skilled, and Georgia Moore, their pick guard, along with some shooters. And so I think Virginia Tech is going to be a factor. I think there's parity here. I think there's parity here. I think uh, the women's tournament is going to be very interesting, just like it was last year. It's going to be very interesting yet again this year. So I, I love it because there's there's a lot of high-quality teams. I don't think that it's set in stone. You know, it used to be set in stone. It's going to be, oh, here we go, UConn, Tennessee every year. But, and it's not that anymore, and I'm grateful for that. What's, we didn't even mention Tennessee. What, they're totally off the radar now. Yeah, they are. They are. But, um, yeah, it, women's basketball, I'm going to be tuning in a lot more, obviously, just because I'm an Iowa fan. But it's uh, it's worth paying attention to. It's also very exciting to watch. Honestly, Thursday, November 30th, LSU and Virginia Tech, you get Angel Reese and company versus Liz Kitley. And then January 25th, South Carolina, LSU. Yeah, one thing that uh, women's basketball did right yet again that the men's men's game should think about is they put big matchups in the first week. I mean, in the first week or so of the season, you've got LSU Colorado, you've got um, Iowa Virginia Tech, and then UConn took a loss as well playing NC State, I believe, who NC State is traditionally a good team. But they just decided that they were going to load up that first week and a half. And I think that's awesome. I wish men's basketball would do that thing as well. Uh, They haven't, but they should take a few and learn a thing or two from that. So, Anything else in the college basketball front we need to get to? No, I think that's it. I think we'll obviously talk about college basketball more as the uh, season goes on. I think it's going to be a fun-filled season, just like it always is. And, and I'm with you. If we get more parity on the women's side, that'll be better instead of the automatic three or four teams. Even though I'm picking the front runners, it's good to mix it up and let's get some new blood in there. I think we will. I think we ultimately will. And without anything else, that'll be our show for this week. We thank you all for joining us. Fun to mix it up and get college basketball back in the fray and turn our brains to basketball mode. We'll be back next week with another hour-long episode. 
We thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Keep your stick on the ice.